Hello, everybody. I'm Warren Smith coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Natasha Cowden coming to you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. And we'd like to welcome you to the Ministry Watch podcast. On today's program, Brian Houston of Hillsong Infamy is starting a new church. And we ask, is it too soon? Also on today's program, Mike Bickle of the International House of Prayer Kansas City has apologized for past behaviors, or he sort of apologized. We also have an update on the lawsuit against prosperity gospel preacher David Taylor. We finally have a court date. We begin today with news from one of the largest Southern Baptist churches in the state of Arkansas. The pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Little Rock, Arkansas, apologized to his congregation on Sunday for failing to inform them of sexual abuse allegations made against a former children's ministry worker there. According to the Arkansas Democrat Gazette, Pastor Stephen Smith read from a prepared statement, acknowledged that he had known of the accusations made against Patrick Stephen Miller for the past five years, but said now was the time to disclose what had happened in the spirit of transparency. Smith made the announcement after the Arkansas Democrat Gazette published a report on Miller's case. The alleged abuse was reported to have occurred in 2015 when Miller worked as Emmanuel Baptist Church's assistant director of children's ministry. He left that position in January of 2016, the year before Smith was hired as the lead pastor. Now, a little bit later in March uh, of 2016, Emmanuel leadership was first made aware of the accusations that Miller, who is now 37 years old, had inappropriately touched a child. They quickly called the Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline and notified their insurance company. The victim came forward with more details of abuse in 2018, and the church again called the state child abuse hotline, and a police investigation was launched at that time. He was arrested in December of 2018 and charged in January of 2019 with a felony of second-degree sexual assault. In January of 2022, he pleaded guilty to a lesser charge of misdemeanor harassment and was given a one-year suspended sentence and was not required to be placed on the sex offender registry. Now, later in 2022, a second victim came forward and accused Miller of abusing her, too. Church leadership again reached out to law enforcement, but chose to withhold news of these accusations from church members and families in the children's ministry. Uh, Smith told congregants on Sunday that the church will put new policies in place in the new year to ensure the safety of children in the church. Smith also stated that they were working with national experts to create even more safeguards to protect the people in our church. In our next story, Hillsong founder Brian Houston is back in the news again. That's right. Former Hillsong founder Brian Houston announced that he and his wife, Bobby, would launch a new church in 2024. He broke the news on X, formerly known as Twitter, that the two would be starting a weekly online ministry and church and that he was excited about building this new community. Warren, it's not that uncommon for disgraced pastors to spend a few weeks or months away from the limelight and then jump right back into public ministry. But 
that seems to be what Brian Houston is doing. Are there any guidelines, biblical or otherwise, for how to deal with this kind of situation? Well, it's a great question, and we asked one of our reporters, Brittany Smith, to ask around about that. She contacted, um, for example, Boz Shavigian, who's an attorney who represents abuse victims, his organization called Boz Law. Some of you might remember that Boz was also one of the founders of GRACE. GRACE stands for a godly response to abuse in Christian environments. So he's really recognized as a leader in this field. And he said that what Brian's Houston is doing is a real red flag for him. He said that he was troubled to learn that he's jumping back into formal ministry. Houston had resigned as the lead pastor at Hillsong over allegations that he had inappropriate contact with two women, as well as numerous legal and financial issues. His church announcement comes just eight months after Australian MP Andrew Wilkie accused Houston of lavish spending and misuse of funds during his time at Hillsong. In fact, if you want to see some more details about uh, what uh, MP Andrew Wilkie uh, was accusing him of, we've got a lot of that in the story that uh, Brittany prepared for us, and I recommend that you check it out. Uh, but the short of it is, is that the resignation and subsequent financial allegations have not appeared to slow down Brian Houston's ministry. And in fact, uh, you know, we said earlier that sometimes, or you said earlier, Natasha, that sometimes pastors will go away for a month or two. Brian Houston didn't even really do that. Rather than stepping back or grappling with the scandals that were plaguing Hillsong and himself, Houston and his wife have continued to travel around the world uh, to various speaking engagements at events. Boss Chavigian again said this, we live in an era where we make it far too easy for well-known pastors who engage in misconduct to go down the street or over to the next state or next door and just open up a new church. Some of these guys barely skip a beat. Did anyone else have anything to say about the situation? Yeah, a lot of folks have spoken up. I think this one has really struck a chord with people, especially the fact that this is an online church where it's not even clear where he's going to have any local accountability. Uh, Amy Steer is a practicing attorney in the state of Texas, and prior to that, she spent 10 years conducting independent investigations into faith institutions, also with grace, godly response to abuse in the Christian environment. Now, Amy Steer also notes that this kind of behavior in fall among fallen ministry leaders is far too common. Other pastors, she said, like Mark Driscoll, have gone on and started their own church plants. In Mark Driscoll's case, he moved from Seattle to Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, began a new church there. In her experience, pastors and institutions showing true repentance accept the consequences of their actions. But in accepting those consequences, that might mean taking themselves out of ministry and making a true apology. What other advice did she have? Well, for her, the biggest red flag in a ministry leader who has faced scandal is someone who displays a lack of repentance, accountability, and believes that what they're doing is right. They get defensive, in other words. And has that happened in the case of Brian Houston? Well, it appears to. Houston has not issued a direct apology to the women who were involved. He framed what happened at Hillsong as a betrayal. Other people betrayed him. In August of 2022, as a guest preacher at the Seattle Megachurch Christian Faith Center, Houston said this, I've 
never been betrayed like this. I've never been spoken about like this. I've never been lied about, gossiped about. I've never been defrauded like this. And I should add, by the way, that just uh, months after he spoke there, less than a year, Houston was charged with DUI in California and pleaded guilty in April of 2023. Uh, currently, uh, he's preparing to not only launch this new church in early 2024, but he's also working on his autobiography. Warren, let's take a short break. When we return, new developments in the story of Kansas City's International House of Prayer and its founder, Mike Bickle. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith. We'll have that story and much more after this short break. Hey everybody, Warren Smith here taking a quick break from the news of the week with Natasha to uh, fill you in a little bit on what's going on here at Ministry Watch. Number one, I wanted to let you know that we published a list of our Shining Light Award winners a couple of days ago. It's on the website right now. Uh, it's a list of about 20 ministries that have the top score in all three categories. I really hope you'll take a look at that list and use it as a giving guide here at year end. A lot of times people ask me, Warren, who should we give to? You know, we've been giving to this ministry for years, but we're hearing some things about it that we don't like. Any alternatives in the adoption space or in the evangelism space? Well, we've got that list just for you. Take a look at it and um, redirect some of your giving. Uh, one of the things that we like to do here at Ministry Watch is to um, rob from the bad guys and redeploy that money to the good guys. And this is a great way uh, to do that. So listen, thanks for listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Thanks for your support of Ministry Watch this year. And I hope you will use Ministry Watch to help you make wise giving decisions. But whoever you give to, Give generously, even sacrificially, and give joyfully during this joyful Christmas season. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden, along with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. Well, Mike Bickle, founder of the international around-the-clock prayer movement and charismatic minister, apologized Tuesday, December 12th, for past misconduct that caused what he said, pain, confusion, and division in the body of Christ. He said this in a statement, with a very heavy heart, I want to express how deeply grieved I am that my past sins have led to so much pain, confusion, and division uh, in the body of Christ in this hour. Uh, I sadly admit that 20 years ago, I sinned by engaging in inappropriate behavior. My moral failures were real, he wrote. In late October, former leader of the Kansas City-based International House of Prayer publicly accused Bickle of clergy sexual misconduct based on allegations from several women about misconduct that allegedly went on for decades. The credibility of these allegations is not based on any one experience or one victim, the former leader said uh, in a statement, but on the collective and corroborating testimony of the experiences of several victims. But since then, both Bickle and the church have confused the situation. That's right. They appear to be backtracking at various times. Uh, last month, uh, current IHOP 
leaders released a report uh, of an internal investigation, which they said cast doubt on the credibility of the allegations against Bickle. They also resisted calls for an independent investigation. But then came Bickle's confession. He also said that, though, that many of the allegations against him were false. So he's kind of having it both ways there. He said that he was not confessing to the more intense sexual activities that he had been accused of. To add to the drama, IHOPKC announced the controversial choice of bringing on crisis manager Eric Voltz to serve as the organization's spokesman. Yeah, Voltz is the director of the David House Agency. Uh, He himself was falsely convicted in Nicaragua when he was in his 20s for the murder of his girlfriend, a case that made international headlines at the time. Voltz has long professed his innocence, and his conviction was overturned on appeal. Voltz told the congregation of Forerunner Church, which Forerunner Church is the church associated with IHOP Kansas City, that he had been brought on to help IHOP KC get to the truth. He also told the congregation that he had become a Christian during his time in jail and had been to a number of IHOP Kansas City events in the past. Author and preacher Joel Richardson, who's been critical of IHOP KC, called Bickle's statement a public relations move. Yeah, he said this on X. I want to say very loudly and clearly, Mike Bickle, come clean before you destroy more lives. Bickle concluded his confession by saying that he would take an extended break from public ministry, including social media. Now, a little bit of background, uh, Natasha. IHOP Casey was founded by Bickle in 1999, but after he had broken away from the Vineyard Church movement following conflict with leaders there. Bickle's theology emphasizes fasting, prophetic experiences, and end-times studies, and he's been associated with what's called the New Apostolic Reformation. IHOP KC operates a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week prayer uh, room with that's staffed by 2,000 volunteers. These intercessory missionaries, as they call themselves, raise their own support, and they serve both in the prayer room but also in classrooms and other outreach ministries. Or let's pivot in our conversation. You've got an update on the slow-moving schism in the United Methodist Church. That's right. The Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church uh, approved the official separation of 74 more churches during a special conference session that was held virtually on December 2nd. Uh, This was the final opportunity for Florida churches to request disaffiliation before the December 31 deadline and the global denomination meetings in 2024. Two previous disaffiliation votes in the late spring and early summer totaled about 120 churches. So with this most recent vote, the number of churches leaving just the Florida conference alone has ballooned to 249 churches. Nationwide, the United Methodist Church has officially approved more than 2,400 church departures since 2019. But that number is growing rapidly as we approach the December 31 deadline. In fact, some church watchers um, have thrown out numbers like 5,000 or even 7,500 churches, which would be in the ballpark of 25% of all uh, UMC churches leaving before the end of the year. The swell of disaffiliations has come in part in response to lingering tension over biblical sexuality and LGBTQ issues within the UMC. 
the disaffiliations have been by churches who oppose the United Methodist Church's movement toward liberalization of its views on same-sex marriage and the ordination of homosexuals. And we also have an update on the trial against prosperity gospel preacher David E. Taylor. The trial and the lawsuit against him, which was filed by a company called Movie Prop Rentals and his church, which is called the Kingdom of God Global Church, and his media ministry, which is called Joshua Media Ministries International, uh, has been set for December 18 in a federal court in Southern Florida. The non-jury trial is projected to last as long as two weeks. Both the church and media ministry are led by self-proclaimed apostle David E. Taylor. The lawsuit is to recover the cost of constructing a stage set the plaintiff claims the church never paid for. Now, the defendants of the Kingdom of God Global Church and Joshua Media Ministries filed a motion uh, recently to ask the judge to prohibit the plaintiffs from presenting evidence uh, about the personal affairs of David E. Taylor, including allegations of extramarital affairs, facts concerning the church's or David Taylor's reputation, or alleged ownership of luxury vehicles, namely including a Bentley and a Rolls-Royce. These are details uh, also included that would be about David Taylor's residence in a mansion and allegations that David Taylor is running a cult. They argue, uh, uh, David Taylor's attorneys argue, that evidence about Taylor's personal affairs and reputation are wholly irrelevant and that introducing such evidence into the case would unfairly prejudice the jury, confuse the issues, or mislead the jury. In April of 2022, Ministry Watch reported that Taylor purchased a Tampa area estate for $8.3 million. That's right. According to the lawsuit, uh, the Kingdom of God Global Church approached a prop company in February of 2020 about designing, manufacturing, and selling a substantial stage prop uh, configuration. And, and by the way, if you think that we're not talking about big, big money here, consider this. The original design was about $680,000, but changes requested by the church increased the budget to $1.2 million. And over time, yet more changes to the stage construction were allegedly ordered by Kingdom of God Church without paying the agreed to installment payments. The eventual price ballooned to $2.2 million for this stage set, according to Movie Prop Rentals. And this lawsuit is not the only problem Taylor faces. Sure isn't. According to a notice posted uh, by the Internal Revenue Service uh, in late uh, late. 2022, about a year ago, the tax-exempt status of his ministry was revoked even earlier in May of 2021 for failing to file Form 990s for three consecutive years. Now, let's look at one more story before we take a break. It's an update on a story we've been covering for more than a year. Yeah, the this week, though, we had, do have a, an update, as you said. A federal jury has convicted a Montana pastor of sexually abusing three children while they were staying at his home on the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation. According to the uh, District of Montana court, a jury found Dean Allen Smith, who is 67 years of age, guilty of aggravated sexual abuse, abuse of sexual contact by force, and two counts 
counts of abusive sexual contact by force and of a child uh, after a six-day trial that began uh, on December 4th. Smith faces a maximum of life in prison, a $250,000 fine, and five years uh, to lifetime of supervised release. The jury acquitted Smith of one count of abusive sexual contact with a child. And as you said, Natasha, we've been covering this story for a while. Uh, Ministry Watch reported earlier this year, for example, that for over 20 years, Smith was the pastor of Morning Star Baptist Church, which is a Southern Baptist church in Lame Deer, Montana. The church, which is no longer active, sat adjacent to the Northern Cheyenne Indian Reservation, where Smith allegedly made four children in separate incidents engage in this sexual conduct. Uh, The court set sentencing for April 10th of 2024. So the the sentences that you identified earlier, Natasha, those are the possibilities, but we really don't know how he's going to be sentenced yet. But until then, uh, he is remaining in custody pending that sentencing hearing. Warren, we're going to take another break. When we return, our lightning round of Ministry News of the Week. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith. More in a moment. Hey everybody, Warren Smith here again with uh, a quick announcement. I wanted to let you know that uh, we're going to be expanding the podcast in the year ahead. We're going to be doing more interviews. I've discovered by looking at the metrics that you guys like those interviews that I do. Um, And we're going to stick as much as we can close to the issues that, uh, you know, Ministry Watch covers, transparency and accountability, but occasionally we might wander afield. Uh, If you're a regular listener to the Ministry Watch podcast, for example, you heard my interview with Steve Camp, a Christian musician, but he's also someone who has a lot to say about the state of evangelicalism, so I thought it would be a good fit Uh, for the podcast, or at least a little bit of a palate cleanser uh, for those of you that, you know, don't want all numbers all the time. So uh, one thing you can do to help us expand the podcast is uh, refer us to other people. Uh, Like us or share us on social media, rate us on your podcast app. You know, those things don't cost you a dime, and you'd be surprised. They really do help us here at Ministry Watch. Uh, The algorithms look for those ratings and those likes and shares whenever they are recommending podcasts to other people. So simply by doing that, you can help expand the reach of the Ministry Watch podcast. So that's it. Listen, thanks a bunch for listening. Uh, Merry Christmas to you as we approach this year end, and let's get back to the podcast. Welcome back. I'm Natasha Cowden with my co-host Warren Smith, and you're listening to the Ministry Watch podcast. We like to use this last segment as a sort of lightning round of shorter news briefs. What do you have first? Some 9 million Americans can't afford to buy the medications that they have been prescribed. Meanwhile, nearly 11 billion dollars worth of prescription drugs are disposed of every year in the United States. That according to the Kaiser Family Foundation's health news. 
But a ministry in Colorado Springs, Colorado, is trying to use some of that surplus to serve people in need. Open Bible Medical Clinic and Pharmacy is a Christian volunteer-run nonprofit that provides free medical care and medications to uninsured, low-income adults in the Pikes Peak region. And we asked our Colorado Springs-based reporter Steve Raby to take a look. What did he find out? Well, he found out that the clinic operates Colorado's only drug donation program with most of the donated medications coming from nursing homes, pharmacies, or healthcare facilities. Qualified patients pay $15 a year for a registration and access to a pretty impressive menu of medications. I should also add that the clinic is a ministry of the Open Bible Baptist Church, which operates, which describes itself rather as a multicultural, multi-generational, economically diverse church of spiritually mature, ministry-focused, disciple-making followers of Jesus Christ. The church does put its money where its mouth is. Uh, It also runs a food pantry, and many members serve in these various outreaches. Well, as we reach a year end, a number of organizations, including Ministry Watch, will release lists, lists like the 10 best movies of the year or the top 10 news stories of the year. But we have news this week of a list that a Christian ministry does not want to be on. Yeah, end-of-year givers that are concerned about giving to organizations who support pro-life causes or maybe worried that they support pro-abortion causes should look to the American Life League's charity watch list. Um, American Life League has put together a list of 60 nonprofit organizations, including some of the nation's largest, such as the American Heart Association and the American Cancer Society, and it rates these ministries with a green, yellow, or red rating. A green light means that all, American Life League, considers the charity worthy of support because of its pro-life stance. For groups with a yellow rating, all urges caution because some positions may not be verified. All advises against supporting organizations that it rates as red due to their positions on life, family, or LGBTQ issues. According to Hugh Brown, who is American Life League's executive vice president and founder Judy Brown's son, the purpose of the charity watch list is twofold. He told Ministry Watch that the list is meant to bring awareness and education for potential supporters of charities and to encourage change in the positions of the groups themselves. The list rates both Christian and secular organizations, but let's stick to the Christian groups. What were some of the results? Well, 35 groups were rated red by American Life League's list, including some of the nation's largest, such as the Salvation Army. Uh, Even though its mission is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to meet human needs in His name without discrimination— Uh, American Life League says that it supports abortion, contraception, and promotes LGBTQ lifestyle, uh, at least, again, according to American Life League's research. Two groups that seek to provide shelter to those in need get different ratings from all. They sure do. Uh, The first group gets a good rating. Fuller Center for Housing receives a green light for its unrelenting Christ-centered approach uh, and its quest to provide adequate shelter for all people. 
It also gets points for a commitment to upholding pro-life values. Now, another housing ministry, Habitat for Humanity, who was also started by Millard Fuller, the same man that started the Fuller Center for Housing, uh, gets a lower rating. Uh, Habitat uh, was founded whenever, according to Millard Fuller and others, that it departed from its the Christian values on which the organization was founded. Habitat for Humanity receives a cautionary yellow rating from American Life League because of partnerships that the group says support abortion and contraception. And what ministry is in the ministry spotlight this week? Hope is Alive Ministries began in 2012 to provide mentoring homes for individuals struggling with addiction who are transitioning back into the real world from treatment centers, correctional facilities, and poor life choices. Uh, Hope is Alive has 25 homes around the country now, 12 cities with programs that last anywhere from 12 to 18 months. They have separate homes for men and women. Residents journey through a three-phase program aimed at building a strong foundation of both life skills and recovery. At the completion of the three phases, phases, residents will have accomplished more than 60 requirements, giving them confidence to reach goals and finish what they start. Uh, the Hope is Alive program is also led by graduates of that program. And we should add uh, on the positive side that Hope is Alive has an 85% success rate of its among its graduates, and more than 700 children have been reunited with so parents during this time. That's a remarkable record. It is, but the real reason that we wanted to focus on this ministry, the reason it popped up on our radar screen was because of its pretty phenomenal growth. A moment ago, I mentioned that the ministry began in 2012. That's barely a decade ago. Today, it has almost $10 million in revenue. Now, I'm sure a big part of that growth is because of its effectiveness in what it actually does, effectiveness that we've already identified, but it also spends about 19% of its revenue on fundraising, which is more than double organizations in its peer group. So if you're thinking about giving to this group, great. We think you should consider it, but we think you should also look at our full profile of this group, which you can find at the Ministry Watch website. And who did Christina Darnell feature in Ministries Making a Difference this week? Well, the Atlanta Falcons punter Bradley Pinion has teamed up with Compassion International to raise money to fund 500 child survival centers worldwide through his Punts for Purpose initiative. Every time one of Pinion's punts falls within the 20-yard line, $1,000 will be donated to Compassion. Punters from 12 other NFL teams have joined the initiative, and so far they've raised over $2.2 million. Compassion, by the way, has three stars out of five uh, for financial efficiency in our database. It gets an A transparency grade, which is our top score, and a donor confidence score of 91, which is not quite our top score, but pretty near the top. Well, I'm sure all of our football fans will be quite interested in that story, but not all the ministries that she highlighted this week have that same star power. Yeah, in fact, it's one of the reasons why we do the ministries making a difference a column is to shine a light on some of those ministries that, you know, might not have NFL stars working with them. Um, and one of those is Mission Arlington. Uh, they have 4,600 volunteers, and they provided more than 6,900 families uh, throughout the Dallas-Fort Worth area. 
with food and other assistance. That represents 28,000 people in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Uh, by the way, Mission Arlington has five stars out of five, an A transparency grade from Ministry Watch, and a donor confidence score of 86, which means that you can give with confidence. And there's some ministries that operate totally outside the limelight. Uh, they sure do. At the end of November, for example, Olive Crest USA uh, sent out a press release announcing that it had 406, that it provided rather 406,000 counseling sessions to kids and parents, something that would have fallen completely uh, below the radar screen were it not for them sending out that press release. Olive Crest works to prevent child abuse by helping children holistically and restoring families in crisis. They have four out of five stars from Ministry Watch, an A transparency grade, and a donor confidence score of 97, which is one of our top scores. And I also want to mention Reach the Rest. They share the gospel with unreached people groups around the world, connecting local Christian leaders nearby and equipping them to spread the gospel and plant churches. They're part of what sometimes is called the new paradigm of ministry, where you're actually empowering indigenous missionaries rather than sending Western missionaries to those countries. Last year, Reach the Rest celebrated 653 unreached people groups being introduced to the gospel, more than 200,000 professions of faith, with 22,000 of them being baptized, 7,300-plus churches were planted last year as well, a remarkable uh, accomplishment. Reach the Rest has four stars out of five and an A transparency grade for Ministry Watch, and it also has a donor confidence score of 97, which means give with confidence. Warren, do you have any final thoughts before we go? Well, as I said before, um, by before, I mean in previous episodes, we're in the most critical time of the year for Christian ministries, including Ministry Watch when it comes to fundraising. Uh, we need to raise about a quarter of our budget, or about $117,000 during the months of November and December. We just passed the $66,000 mark, which means what well, we're about 55 or 60% of the way there. Um, if you've already given to us, I just want to say thank you very much. And if you've not, well, uh, you still got time. I hope you'll prayer prayerfully consider a gift to Ministry Watch before year end. And of course, as I said, Ministry Watch is not alone. Some ministries uh, have to raise even more money than we do, 30 to 40% of their budgets during the last 60 days of the year. If you'd like to uh, help us reach our year-end goal, of course, you can go to ministrywatch.com. But whether you give to us or not, we hope that you will use our database to help you make wise giving decisions. Uh, give wisely and generously during the season, and we hope Ministry Watch can help you do that. The producers for today's program are Rich Rosel and Jeff McIntosh. We get database and other technical support from Stephen Dubarry, Rod Pitzer, and Casey Sedith. Writers who contributed to today's program include Daniel Ritchie, Brittany Smith, Bob Smetania, Steve Raby, Kim Roberts, Jessica Adderalde, Christina Darnell, and Rob Pitzer. And you've been listening to the Ministry Watch Podcast. Until next time, may God bless you.